0: Rich Eisen. Rich had to move things around. He's going to talk to Kenny Pickett, which is really cool. He's been down at the Steelers facilities all day since arriving in Pittsburgh from LA. Rich Andrew Filippone, and Chris Muller here with you. Uh, what's it been like? Give us a feel for what it's been like being around the Steelers, given everything that's happened with the uh, tragic passing of Franco Harris in the last moving.
1: day. It's been moving, um, and just seeing you know in person what I expected to see, which is. Uh, connection between the generations of Steeler stars and players, and uh, a rallying around the community and the community around the team. I, I mean, it's what you, what the Steelers have been known for, um, and certainly ever since you know Franco came up with the immaculate reception and helped turn the franchise team the franchise into a a team that was known for winning and stability um, as opposed to what it was known for since 1933, pretty much up to that point when it was 4th and 10 from their own 40 with 22 seconds to go against the Raiders. Um, And just seeing it from the minute I walked off the plane and seeing the immaculate reception um, statue. Uh, in the airport, adorned with flowers and wreaths and terrible towels and people standing in line at midnight to take a picture with it while the, the woman who was standing in line in front of me um, was in tears, hugging the statue. And it is um, so incredibly sad that, um, that Franco isn't going to be there and didn't make it to this day. It is uh, unfair. It is awful. But you can see that wound already being healed by this town and its love for the Steelers and vice versa. I saw Tomlin spoke uh, reverentially and T.J. Watt and um, Cam Hayward, all of them. Um, we're talking about what Franco meant to them and this team. I mean, Franco was on Tam Hayward's podcast the night before he passed, and he just released mm-hmm. that that interview today. Um, just seeing it in person to confirm what we all knew it was going to be like is, is uh, pretty heartwarming, to be honest.
2: Rich, is there another – I mean – you get a chance to cover all thirty-two teams. You get familiar. You get to get a sense of what each fan base's relationship or each city's relationship is like with the team that plays there. Is there any in, in the country that that rivals or that comes close to what you just described with Steelers fans Look, in, yeah. in the city and that team?
1: Look, everybody has their own footprint and DNA, right? Um, you know, obviously the Packers have an incredible fan base that travels and loves the team and, and feels. Uh, and rallies around them, and, and they're part of the community. Kansas City Chiefs leap to mind. Um, all 32 teams have a connection with their hometown and the fan base. But this one in particular um, has uh, a history uh, that that is uh, very unique in its own way. And the play that, that we're celebrating this week, that we were all going to celebrate along with Franco's retirement of his jersey which um appears to be all full steam ahead on that anyway um that, that it is just unique in its own way that there's a play that is the number one play is voted by the fans um and game-changing play is voted by the fans in the nfl 100 season that is um you know you could pinpoint the turn of a franchise and the changing of lives if not a town um, you could also pinpoint potentially the ascension of the sport itself. I mean, in the early '70s, we all remember um, all, all fans of the Pirates, obviously Roberto Clemente, and 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 how you know he was a face of a sport that was known as the American pastime. The 1972 divisional playoff game uh, was at the very beginning, along with the Dolphins' undefeated season of that year, uh, of a changing of the guard potentially as to what we consider America's uh, pastime for sports. So yeah, it is just unique to see. And just a quick story TJ Watt told today, because I asked him um, about him, his first six years of being here in Pittsburgh and a story I would tell during the broadcast, I'll tell it here retelling it is that, you know, his brother JJ came into town about three years ago um, in the off season and they were strolling around Pittsburgh and, J.J. was just remarking how everywhere he walked in Houston, people would stop and take pictures or you know, want an autograph, and, and it was difficult for him to go out. And he just couldn't believe that um, folks in Pittsburgh that would just walk up to T.J. and say, good luck this season, keep walking, or how you doing, T.J.? See you later. You know, and just that, that, that he, it, it wasn't lost on him that the, the star player of the Steelers was considered just like anyone else just happens to be very famous and does something that everybody knows what they do for a living and that he was just allowed to go about his business or just could go about his business. And that's, you know, what it's about. It's a very small town uh, mentality in a big time city like Pittsburgh for a franchise that is so connected to it and, and they do to it, uh, the franchise. It, it is, like I said, pretty neat to see.
0: One of the best sports broadcasters in America, Rich Eisen, with us. He's going to have Steelers and Raiders for the NFL Network Saturday night. You can also watch it on Channel Two, and he's already here in Pittsburgh doing prep for the game, meeting with the Steelers right now. Rich, do you guys plan on airing the Franco Harris ceremony Saturday night? I don't know yet.
1: Uh, we haven't had our production meetings yet. I imagine we would. I mean, uh, I it. mean, there's not going to be a dry eye in the house. Um. So, uh, as you might imagine, everything has been changed. Uh, I mean, I woke up yesterday morning and, um, you know, I I woke my wife up with the audible, oh, my God, when I saw on the phone that Franco had passed away. You know, I mean, it's such a shock to everyone. And so, you know, whatever plans we may have had or we didn't have, I have no idea what we were going to do. And I don't know what we're going to do yet, but I'd be surprised if we don't take the uh, the ceremony live.
2: Rich, I'm, from for your own part, I mean, it's something that still is an honor for now the late Franco Harris, which feels very odd to say. Have you thought about like how m- tough it might be? I mean, I don't envy you being in the position to have to try to find the right oh. tone for something that that 36 hours ago was going to be this joyous occasion. There are people snapping pictures with him at the History Center here, and now trying to find the, strike the right note, hit the right note when you're calling all of this. I I mean, I'm just curious as to what's going through your mind with that.
1: Oh, man, it's, please, I mean, it's not a burden. It's, I get to talk football for a living, and I talk about an incredible human being that everyone loved. I mean, in situations like this, you know, you just talk from the heart. Just go with your gut. I mean, it's just, it's as simple as it comes. Like, this guy is one of the all-time greats, this guy, everybody, you could look on social media, Twitter, whatever, the number of people who took pictures with him, it's remarkable because he was accessible. He was lovable. He was beloved and lovable. And, you know, um, so that part is, as far as I'm concerned, an honor that, you know, that I'm going to be in a position on live TV, to pay homage to this man, and it'll be simple to do because of how, you know, simple he made the difficult things, like making time for others. Uh, I envy people who, for whom it's easy to make time for others. You know, um, uh, that's what Tomlin talked about today about Franco Harris in our meeting, is that he, he, he seemed to, he was never in a rush to go anywhere is what he said. He told a story about how Najee Harris had a a fundraiser, I guess, last year, and Franco and his wife showed up unannounced and (laughs) stayed throughout. You know, I mean, like, that's the stuff. That's the stuff that you, you know, that people loved about him as much as the fact that he was in the right place at the right time um, in 1972, and then obviously in the right place at the right time for his entire career.
0: Rich Rich Eisen with us. Uh, Rich, how about your own personal experiences and encounters with Franco Harris? You've interviewed all kinds of football greats, luminaries, Hall of Famers. What were your own personal interactions like with him?
1: Oh, I got to meet him at the Hall of Fame. I mean, uh, that, that's, that's the place where I, I got to actually talk to him. I mean, he called into my show a couple times. But just seeing him were, you know, um, uh, as quiet as he was, and he was kind of shy. He struck me as a shy guy, you know, but who was, you know, big hearted, lion hearted, um, I guess, nittany, lion hearted, you know, and and everyone loved him. And one time I remember seeing him just in the the driveway of NFL Network in our old spot where we're now across the street from SoFi. But back in the day, we were a much smaller shop and we were in the driveway. And I guess for Jim Brown's 80th birthday. I think that was so like two, three years ago, the network got him and Marcus Allen and Marshall Falk and Jim Brown all together in a round table in our, uh, in our studio. And he was walking out and all he could talk about when I saw him in the driveway, like Franco, what are you doing here? Like one of those neat moments about my job is you're just, Oh gosh, that's Franco Harris just strolling around the driveway, you know? Um, And he just was, that's all I want to talk about how how great it was to be around Mr. Brown and, um, and how, you know, to talk, you know, uh, good times and running back, you know, the history of running backs and the art of running with Jim Brown, you know, I mean, he just lived in the moment and always seemed to be a man of the moment. Clearly, as we'll celebrate on, on Saturday night and, um, I just can't believe like, that he's not here. And, and all I could think of is, you know, yes, it was unexpected, um, but that just meant, you know, he wasn't suffering, you know, he, and it just meant that he didn't have, uh, he didn't pass away after a battle. He lived and basked for 49 years and 362 days in the glory of this moment that we're going to celebrate on, on Saturday night.
2: Rich, he's so connected. He's the central figure to that play that you just said a few minutes ago helped put football more on the map as kind of America's new pastime, right? Do you, do you almost think that that association with just one play makes people sometimes need to be reminded of just how good he was in such a different yeah. era for football?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the man to this day holds the record for most rushing yards in the history of the Super Bowl. Um, he holds this, uh, you know, only Emmett beat him by 30 yards in the history of rushing uh, in, in the playoffs. Yep. And I don't think those records, I, I don't think his record of most rushing yards in the history of the Super Bowl will ever be broken. I mean, you take a look at the game today, how often a team gets to the Super Bowl, and how often that team gets to the Super Bowl with the same running back in this passing league. Um, I, I can't imagine somebody will have as many bites at the Super Bowl apple at the position to try and top his record. I, 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 I think that will stand the test of time. Um, and then of course, you know, the number of Pro Bowls, he made the Pro Bowl. That's a statistic I saw. He made the Pro Bowl every season in his first nine seasons. Only nine people have ever done that. And only two other running backs have ever done it and the other running backs are, um, are, uh, uh, Emmett and, and Barry Sanders. And so, you know, I mean, his career was long. It wasn't a flash in the pan. Um, and, but again, this generation, my generation, certainly I'm 53 the current generation and even the generation before me, um, and in between, all know the Steelers is an organization uh, of winning. Uh, I mean, I just again, I put on my Instagram a video of passing by. I've to be in a lot of NFL facilities. There's not many of them where they've got six trophies in the case. Um, and so they're known for winning and they're known for stability. And again, when, when uh, Bradshaw went under center, and the 1972 divisional playoff game 50 years uh, from Friday night with 22 seconds left from his own 40 and no timeouts left. Um, The Steelers had only been to the playoffs before that day once, once since being born in 1933. And that was the 47 playoffs where they lost to the Eagles the team that they combined forces with to keep the league alive during the NFL, during the uh, Second World War, to create the Steagles, And then the war ends and they go their separate ways again. But they they played the Eagles and they lost 21 nothing. meaning that immaculate reception moment not only changed the fortunes and birthed uh, 50 years of winning and stability, <laughs> it was the first postseason touchdown in the history of the Steelers. Yep. So what a what a way to you know put one on the board, right? <laughs> and um, you can't make it up. You just can't make it up. And I, I I can't wait for Saturday night to talk about it more. Rich, we're longtime admirers
0: of your work, not just your play-by-play you. play or your your days on SportsCenter, Center, but your radio show. Thank Two you. connections to us on your radio show. You for a long time, your producer used to play a drop of my old co-host saying. That how flabbergasted he was, and yeah. that was from when Roethlisberger was on with us and said that he was going to retire, and Ron didn't know what to say, so I would get a kick out of that whenever we heard it. Yeah. And then the other thing that just cracks us up is your wife, who fills in brilliantly for you at times Thank and you. does an awesome job sometimes when you can't host. My yeah. wife is actually banned from coming on our radio station. Because what? she's cursed, yeah, she's cursed uh. too many times on the air, and we've had to dump hmm. her too many times. So she's been banned. So I'm, I'm envious well, I, of you in that regard.
1: I assume your marriage is rock solid enough to handle that. Um, and so <laughs> I hope that's the case for your sake, that uh, when you say you've dumped your wife, that she's cool with that. Um, but uh, yes, um, there are times where I am concerned um, that, uh, that my wife might uh, drop an F-bomb every now and then, too. But thankfully, <laughs> she is been able to filter that conversation Mm. um you know but here's a great story we're on our honeymoon my wife and i about 20 years ago now um and we were in italy and it was like uh it was in the summer and it was like a hundred degree day and we were going to the vatican and i put on like these long cargo shorts you know the type of uh fashion that um she expunged from my closet and my drawers within two (laughs) seconds of marrying me but i still this is our honeymoon. We were still in the honeymoon phase, literally and figuratively, and so uh, she told me, "You can't wear those." I'm like, "Why?" She goes, "It's the Vatican. You got to wear long pants." Like I'm like, "It's covering my knees." So we went there, and as you know, uh, whenever your wife, your spouse, tells you something, you insist she's wrong, and then she winds up to be proven correct. It just makes things far worse. So, of course, we show up to the Vatican, and I am prevented from walking in there because of my shorts we immediately then we immediately then go we immediately then go and shop for long pants so we can go and the entire time she is just all over me saying that i should have listened and just talking about properly the reverence of going to the vatican at which point we step out of the store where we're going to buy these pants and uh, just we are still within i guess the the you know the vicinity of the Vatican, as she's telling me about the the sanctity of the place, and a car nearly hits us. At which point she screams huh. at the car. She screams at the car. Jesus effing Christ is what she says.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! She went. She went. She so within one breath she's talking about the sanctity of the Vatican, and then she went J S P in the next breath. <laughs> so I kind of understand what you're talking about. Um, when you bring up this story to me, and I I, I appreciate it. Uh, I respect it, but maybe you should just also consider giving your wife one more shot. <laughs> maybe you should.
0: Uh, let her let her out Rich, of the
1: penalty box. Let her out of the penalty Rich, box is all I'm suggesting.
0: It's an yeah. honor to have you on. We know you'll do such a great job Saturday night. We look forward to watching you. I don't know yes. how often you get to Pittsburgh, but if you need, uh, dinner reservations, I'm great with that stuff. We'll hook it up. So All thank right. you so much I for coming it. on with us, Rich. Uh, I think man. I'm
1: going to Primanti Brothers Saturday to because they say they're going to create a sandwich with my name on it. So i got to take them up on it. i got to do it. Definitely. So hmm. I, I might be out and about pregame Saturday. What better way to call a game in Pittsburgh a, a memorable night than uh, have a, a, a lunch at, uh, at that spot? So I'll just give them a little shout-out there.
0: Rich, tell Kenny we said hi. We did a show with him last year. He's a great kid, so you'll enjoy that. I look too. forward to meeting In him. The I've never, never
1: really spoken to him. Look forward to it. Thanks for uh, the Omaha and going with it right here. I, I appreciate it. I'm you sorry bet, man. I didn't hit my time. Take care.